Welcome to another episode of the award-nominated motorsport show, Pit Lane Parley. Like the show, leave a rating, retweet our show post, or don't. Want to chat racing more? Ask us to join the PLP Twitter group. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Sarah is flying back from California, so she will join us next week, maybe. And let's dive into some trivia, and then we'll talk about IndyCar. Congrats to Kyle Cook Kirkwood on his first IndyCar win. It was a really nice drive for him this weekend, and he is the subject of the trivia question. So this is similar to the New Garden one I did. I don't know, was that last week or the week before? Can you name me? We'll we'll go with USF 2000, Indy Pro 2000, Indy Lights, and obviously, I guess, IndyCar. Can you name me every team Kirkwood has driven for in the US Open wheel, not counting USF3, which he also raced in? Okay. Um, I know in USF 2000, he started with Cape. Mm-hmm. I remember that. That's how old we are and how young he is, I guess. Yes. Um, for some reason, I'm not remembering at the moment who he drove with in Indy Pro 2000, which is odd to think of that. But then he moved to Andretti for Indy Lights. Yep. And who he also obviously drives for now. And then he drove for Foyt last season. So I just have to think of who he drove for in Indy Pro, right? Yes, and bonus points if you can get USF4 or USF3 that he also ran in. Am I going to know either of those teams? You will. You Both of the teams are current Road to Indy teams. One, you may have already... I'll, I'll give you the one since you mentioned it. He, he raced for Cape in F4 the second year he did USF4. Okay. The, fir- the first USF4 you will not get because... I've never heard of them before. All right. Well, I think if I'm thinking back to which teams would have been doing F, you said F3? F3, yeah. Yeah, USF3, and that's still a current IndyCar team or an Indy Next team. It's yes. going to be Able, right? Yep. Okay. So he did it with Able. But I don't even know what year that was, 2015 or something? 20... Uh, 2018. Oh, Okay. Wow, never mind. Yeah, he was like a sorry, child. sorry, 20, 2017 and twenty eighteen. He was with he did he did uh Able Motorsports in twenty eighteen for F three. He did Cape Motorsports for eighteen for USF two thousand, but he also did Cape in seventeen and Primus Racing in sixteen for F four, hmm. USF four. Okay. Um that he drove for that team that Italian won that like it went under in indie pro 2000 and i can't remember it was like two sorry, letters just banging my desk hopefully you didn't hear oh it was two le- uh, the rp rp racing yeah yeah roger penske but it's so for something else yeah yeah definitely not roger penske unless roger penske went in italian for that year before they went defunct yeah that was that their only year no i think they, they were around for like a handful of years at least 
before that. Let me see. Will this let me? RP Motorsport. They were in Formula Regional Euro European the last couple of years until 2021. They were in Pro Mazda slash Indy Pro slash whatever the hell it's called now. For 18, 19, 21. They did Spanish F3, Euro F3, Euro Formula Open. Yeah, they've been around. They've done a lot. Sounds like they were trying to do way too much. This was not all at one time necessarily, too. Oh, okay. But he won them the title, didn't he? So they should have just kept rolling. Uh, maybe. I can't scroll backwards now. Did I'm pretty he sure he won that. If he did, it was 2018 was his year of... Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, okay. USF and in Indy Pro, he won. Because he won at every level and they they keep repeating that on every single broadcast that you see a picture of kyle kirkwood he won at every level of the road to indy and now did, he's won in indycar did you know marcus armstrong has become marcus armstrong marcus erickson has become even a better driver after winning the indy 500 this year he is more dedicated he has a mental coach he is going to win again this year i'm just repeating the broadcast now if you did that in an Australian accent, literally, I would have thought you were Lee Diffie right there. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not even... making fun of Lee, but like that is, I think that you just quoted him word for word. I think I got that cadence down pretty good, too. Yeah, that was really good. Wait, so before we talk about the race, you have like a favorite TV show, like a current TV show that you're watching? Yeah, I think I talked about it on a previous episode with Malukas. It's um, American Auto. Oh, I still have to fit. I still have to get back to that. I have not watched it since I was at your house. But it's good, right? It was very good. So like three weeks ago, I started the very popular Ted Lasso. Like, okay, I still haven't touched that one. Really funny. Fantastic. Like an easy watch. You know, it's very light. Like if you zone out for a minute, like, you know, you're not missing. You know, it's, it's okay. Uh, but really funny. And I was talking to a young lady who I'm going out with for dinner tomorrow night for the first but time. But not too young. No, not too not too young. Don't make me sound creepy. <laughs> and, you would have called her a young lady. Yeah, fair. And so we're talking about like Ted Lasso. She's like, oh, I'm so sad. It's the last season. I didn't know it was the last season. I literally started it two and a half weeks ago. And now now I'm like, I'm a little bit bummed. Out. I mean, obviously, it's not her fault. She didn't know that I didn't know. But yeah, I'm I'm a little bummed. And so did you cancel the date with her? Because I shouldn't. I should, because, you know, I've, I'm tired of being canceled on, too. So it's time to, like, I don't know. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, the show's being canceled. That date should be canceled. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Parallels. So, Kyle Kirkwood wins his first IndyCar race. It was, I think, for Long Beach standards, a solid race. The end was pretty exciting there with Erickson kind of making a hard charge. Grosjean having all this push to pass, but not enough gas to get to the end. But let's, you know, before we talk about the good, let's get out of the way. Let's see here. Pato had a rough day. So the the Scott Dixon thing is, is you know, the, the kind of main oh, yeah. question I have for you here. But he also took it way too deep. I think that might have been actually on Kirkwood and... Ferrucci when he kind of slid you know on that restart and he fell back like you know back to where he ended up finishing but what's your what's your take on the Scott Dixon incident I think it was a late move but I don't think it was unfair I mean it's a it's a a bold pass 
right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. something that Pato would do, right? It's aggressive. I mean, I, I still, and I think, I don't know who said this. Was it Robin Miller that called him like Juan Montoya Jr., essentially? I don't remember if he said that or if I'm just misattributing that to him, but that's kind of what I always think about. And not not because they both have Latin heritage at all, just like their style <laughs> of personality and, you know, the way they drive, all that kind of stuff. You know, he, although Pato, I would say, is a more cheerful Juan Montoya, which is kind of re- like refreshing. Yes. But, you know, that's that's a move that that type of driver would make. And it, I don't know, I guess Dixon is not somebody who usually ends up in situations like that, but. I don't think there was anything that he could have done, but I also really don't think that there was anything Pato could have done other than just try to wait longer to pass him in another corner. But we know how difficult it is to pass at Long Beach and it's Scott Dixon. So can't really blame the guy. I'm sure Scott's unhappy about it. And Pato obviously is like not happy about it because I mean, he's no longer in the lead of the championship, but you know, things, these things happen. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like once you make that first mistake, you try to make up for your mistake and you end up making a second mistake, which, you know, happens. None of these drivers are perfect. They're all human. And so I also didn't hate the move. I thought for sure. I looked over at my dad like they're they're calling a penalty. It just felt like it was too borderline. Like I could have seen it go either way i agree with you that it was just kind of late but not necessarily dirty obviously emma dixon also disagrees you know which we come to expect at this point i think you like you texted me like i wonder if she's going to say something and then i sent you the (laughs) screenshot like instantly and i'd only found that screenshot like a minute or two before before you before you texted me that but yeah let's let's move on from that we don't need to waste time there I'm not even making fun of her. She just, yeah, she she always defends Scott, like regardless of what happens. And Scott's usually not in the wrong, but she she's his biggest defender yes. all the time. Yeah. Calamila, kind of a, a rough day. And I I hope after IndyCar kind of or or you know the track promoters re-added that curb that they that they had taken out for Friday. And then Callum stuffed it into the wall Saturday morning in practice. And then VK did as well. I hope IndyCar gives them a, a little bit of a financial break because that's not fair. I, it's just, you know, it's not fair that it wasn't communicated to the teams. I don't think we need to go any further on that one, but Callum Eilat also got sent out of the pits after already being mm-hmm. a lap down in the race on a restart right out in front of teammate Augustin Canapino, who was leading because he did not pit. Mm-hmm. I know it was just bad timing, you're just kind of going like, ooh, Yunko's day has now gone from bad to worse. And I don't know, do do we need to go over anything from that godforsaken incident? No, other than I think it's related to something we just wanted to quickly touch on because I think it's pretty clear what our views on this are going to be. But a driver receiving death threats, I mean, that's that should be happening. I mean, that, that probably... It feels weird that that has to be said, right? Like this is, <laughs> these are sports. I mean, I don't really know what situation I'm trying to think where a death threat is warranted, but um, about sports and your driver, I mean, that's definitely not one. I, I get the national pride that a lot of Argentinian fans have seeing, you know, an Argentinian based team, essentially. I mean, I guess they're 
based in the U.S., but with Argentinian roots and a driver coming over here. But I don't know. There was nothing to that incident. So the fact that he received that kind of hate, I mean, we went back a few weeks ago when the Rossi Kirkwood incident happened at Texas. Kyle said he received a bunch of hate online. Who else did we see recently? Somebody else got some that was made no sense. Yeah, I don't remember. I know Pato had to post something, too. So I wonder if he got some ridiculous messages. I don't know for sure. I spoke to him briefly this Monday morning, but we didn't talk about it. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I didn't at that point. I didn't really want to bring it up. But yeah, and I all around what you said stands. I don't I'm not I don't don't need to add anything to that, but it's really disappointing. It's disappointing yeah. because we're like, oh, F1 is so toxic. And then, like, you know, IndyCar has done the same thing when IndyCar fans are better than that. I mean, F1 fans should be better than that, too. Don't get me wrong. We should all be better. Than that. <laughs> it's basic humanity. I mean, right. that's what it comes down to. And I'm sure no one listening to this podcast, we talked about this, is a type of person who's going to make death threats. And if you are, you really Stop need to listening. go look in the mirror and yeah, just figure out why you have so much anger over something that really shouldn't like warrant that reaction. But I think the last thing that I want to say about this is that comparing it to F1, we have so much more access to the drivers in IndyCar. Yep. And you get to communicate with them directly. A lot of the time they'll reply to fans on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. If they continue to have to deal with this sort of abuse, which I'm sure is, you know, what happens to the F1 guys, just because their following is so large that I guess, you know, out of a bigger sample size, you're going to get more crazies or more angry people. Then they're going to pull back and they're going to have a PR person just post canned stuff. And that, you know, that's not really engaging because that's what we see in F1, right? I I don't think, for example, Lewis Hamilton, does he run his own socials? Maybe occasionally he posts something from his own, you know, on his Instagram story, but I doubt he's doing most of the tweeting for himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and he's not replying to people or liking people's tweets. So it's not, we don't want that. We want the community feel of it. And if people are going to ruin it, then it's going to be sad for everyone. So yeah, we definitely can't tolerate these people. They should be reported. I mean, I don't know what the system on Twitter is now, unfortunately, for <laughs> reporting or banning people. But I mean, if you see this happening, I- I'm not somebody who likes to be like, oh, go be a snitch, go be a tattletale, but they should be reported. That kind of stuff should not be tolerated. And yeah, it's really pathetic that these angry people hide behind their keyboards and say these pretty nasty things because it can hurt. I mean, you don't know what somebody's going through on the other end. And, you know, what if they're in a fragile place and you say something that puts them over the edge? You got to think about your actions. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I'm looking at the box score here from the race. I have our predictions if you want. Yeah. And before we get to predictions, a quick shout out to the PLP group chat, especially Mike McCoy, Kiana. I didn't write down who I was supposed to give shout outs to. Definitely not Cody. McCoy, oh, and Shelby. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That pretty much counts. And I and and the whole group and all the new additions. Welcome. Yes, thank you. All the new additions. If you want to join, just send me a message or send the PLP Twitter a message and we'll get it set up and join me. Yeah, I I mean, add to 
Yeah, you can. I, I mean, if not, just let me know, but you should be able to. So yeah. predictions. I know my bad prediction um, was not good because willpower finished sixth. So, <laughs> yeah. So I had Marcus Erickson to have a good weekend and I would say he definitely did third yep. place and leading the championship. Now you said Rossi was going to have a good weekend. He was having a decent race until unfortunately something happened to him at the end, right? Like it was suspension failure. Yeah. yeah broken suspension. So where did he end up finishing? 22nd. Oh, okay. I was not looking that far down. That's why I was confused. Okay, so he did not have a good weekend, unfortunately. Nope. A bad weekend. I said Christian Lungard, who finished 14th, which, I mean, there were only 16 cars, it looked like, basically, that were on the lead lap, right? I wouldn't say it's necessarily a bad week. It was like an average weekend. It Actually, it okay. might be a good weekend because it's Ray Hall. Well, where did Graham? Graham finish in 12th? Okay. Yeah, they and were all Jack right around finished there. in 13th. So he was the worst of the three Ray Hall cars, but they were all right there. So, okay, yeah. fine. He didn't have a bad weekend. So neither of us got that one right. I you said were, 22 you were more right than me, but... Of yellow. <laughs> Count how many laps of yellow there are there. <laughs> it's like six, seven yeah. laps of yellow total. You said seven to eight laps. You nailed it. Hell yeah. Sarah, you if you're listening, Elio? I nailed that one. I wish. You just bribed him to, to crash out <laughs> on the first lap. Hey, Elio, can you just crash a little bit? Like, what was the other yellow for? Oh, Dixon, when when the Dixon Pato thing, then that was mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not usually that right with predictions, so I'm I'm pretty pumped right now. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I'm 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 very excited. So predictions. OK, who is your driver of the of the weekend? Well, first, you win the last one, too, because we talked oh. about pole sitter. And you oh, didn't yeah. think there was going to be a new pole sitter either, but you said, I'm just going to say yes, there will be to be opposite of me. And you won again because we had a new pole sitter. Congrats, Kyle. Okay. Driver of the weekend. Um, I think Roman Grosjean deserves a shout out. I mean, he was good in every session over the yep. weekend. Yep. Like he was up there in the top. And unfortunately, I mean, he didn't win the race again. He's the bridesmaid, not the bride once mm -hmm. again. But you know what? I mean, he's just showing that he's not. What is it? An F1 reject, as yeah. someone controversially called him and others on Twitter this weekend, Oof, which is just yeah. the exact type of snobbery we don't want between F1 and IndyCar. I will take Santino Ferrucci getting a P11 for Foyt, which is, you know, it was it was a. It was one of those drives. It was almost like the Ray Hulls too. Like you didn't really hear his name too much in the broadcast. And it's, you know, that's probably a good thing at this point here. You know, he kept it clean. He's probably made some passes, came home in a, in a P11, obviously was aided by Rossi suspension failure late and Dixon and Pato and, you know, the other guys who had issues, the Yonkos guys and, and whatnot. But I mean, still, when you keep it clean, you come home eleventh. That only, you know, helps you and helps the team and and gives you some some positivity to bring to the next round. Who is your disappointment of the weekend? I was just looking at this, and there are people that I don't want to just continually harp on. So I'm going to pick someone different because there's uh, unfortunately people who just continue to point like disappoint us week in hmm. and week out, mm -hmm. and, and year in and year out, to be honest, mm -hmm. and. You know, 
the, you, you, that means you, we expect more from these people, but we haven't seen it. So I'm going to unfortunately go with Simon Pagino. I mean, he finished 14th, which I, I really expect someone who is as talented as I think he is to do better on a street course like Long Beach. It just doesn't, it's something sits wrong with me that he's, and the Meyer Shank team are just not doing well. I mean, Elio, no offense to him. I really only expect him to be good at on ovals or mostly indie at this point. Yeah. But Simon, I didn't think the drop off would be this significant when he moved from Penske to Meyer Shank. Well, you know, time to put on my tinfoil hat. But obviously, after they they cheated at the Rolex, they're getting the hand me down Honda IndyCar engines too. I thought you were going to say they're like the VOP is is being extended to to IndyCar. <laughs> that would have been that would have been that would have made a lot more sense. Okay, I will take. I hate doing this, but I will take Pato. Just not a like you know, a couple, couple, you know, an unforced error. I don't think the team set him up perfectly in qualifying. You know, he went out at the end of Q Q two or round two, fast twelve, whatever you call it. Yeah, don't call it Q two, man. Sorry, on you know, <laughs> on new green tires when he was already safe to go into the next round, which I don't quite understand still. But yeah, yeah. That's that's what I got there. So, yeah, I don't. Do we have any? Yeah, you know, IndyCar news. The Indy 500 test is mm-hmm. today and tomorrow. Prop, it could be just today because of the weather. We'll yes. see. Go to Twitter. There's a bunch of liveries that have come out real quick. So McLaren has released now all four of theirs. Give me your best McLaren livery and your worst out of their Indy 500. Hold on, I gotta actually pull them up again. I don't remember. Okay, well, I'll go. I'm going to go with Felix as the best, you know, with the kind of throwback to the old marble schemes. And I will go with TK as, I don't want to say the worst because it's not bad. It's just very uninspiring, if that makes sense. Okay. Um. All right, so I'm looking now. This is Rossi's is just the orange. That's a tribute to the number three John mm-hmm. Rutherford car from 1974. What else we got? Oh, is it? Which one is this? Uh, is that okay? That's um Felix's car. Then is the one that's a tribute to like the McLaren F1 car of the 80s. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And then what's Pato's? Okay, Pato is just like kind of all black. Oh, yeah, this one's the tribute to the uh, McLaren F1 GTR Le Mans winning car with the. Uh... Yeah, go look up what type of clinic sponsored them. Yeah, yeah, that's you're, I know that Frenchie's saying that to you listening, not to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He already knows. Uh, and then what was Canons? I don't I might not be impressed with any of these, to be honest, other than Pato's. Oh, he's just got a star thing, black and orange. You know what? I think his is actually the best other than Felix's. Okay. You said it was uninspiring, but I kind of yeah. like it more than the other ones, which are just primarily a single color. So the the Pato one, at first I was like, meh, kind of boring. And then when he posted the up-close shots and it's got that kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of got a cool 
it looks cooler up close than it does kind of from far from far away or from the from the imagery but i mean that's that's fair okay Stefan Listen and Cusick slash Dryer and Reinbold release their livery. It's cool. I don't and think Meyer we need. To, yeah, I don't think we need to spend any more time on that. And hmm. All right. I think we are. Do we have any IndyCar news? No, I think the news. only news was the test being the times yeah. being shifted for the test. Yeah. So let's talk about. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. The so there's no F1 this weekend. Baku is next weekend, but Baku is the street uh, street race. Baku is a street race. Baku is also <laughs> the first sprint race of the year, and there's new format. You understand it. I haven't read about it because you told me you understand it. So let's rock and roll. All right, let's see if I can explain it well enough. So essentially, and none of this is confirmed, but it seems to be understood among those who have access in the paddock and have had leaks or whatever, that this is the way it's going to be. What we're going to see is essentially on Friday, there's going to be a qualifying session. Okay. Uh, And then that... And then on Saturday, there's going to be a shorter qualifying session. And I think in Q3, there's going to be basically one lap qualifying. So those who make it to Q3 are going to do one lap. And then that on Saturday will determine how the sprint race starts. Whereas Friday qualifying determines how the race starts. So basically Saturday is like sprint day, as I believe the race F1 podcast called it. 
Okay. Whereas it like Friday and Sunday. So it, it's almost like a sandwich where Friday and Sunday are traditional, right? We have a qualifying session on Friday that I think will be traditional. So I think there's maybe one practice before that. I don't know what the, yeah, there's the probably one gonna be. Friday morning practice. Like there has been for the street races. Yeah. I, I right. can, I can imagine that at least. So it's going to make Fridays. The idea is to make Friday more interesting, right? Because there's qualifying for the race instead of just practice sessions like FP one and FP two. Yep. And then Saturday is interesting, even though you're taking away the race qualifying, you have the sprint race qualifying in the sprint race itself, which is more like self-contained at this point. And it's kind of weird that it's a little bit disconnected from the race because it doesn't set anything about the race. It doesn't set your grid slot, but that is what's supposed to make the drivers be willing to risk more in the sprint race. Right. Like, so you're not going to play it safe necessarily because it's not affecting your starting position for the next day. Question. This is more of a, I don't know. This isn't a question to you, but sorry. So you're, you're, you're not going to play it safe hypothetically, but also are you going to play it safe because you're at a street course where the wall is right there and you've still got another race and you immediately just poked a hole through their reasoning for doing this, (laughs) like their justification. Yeah. And it's not that hard to do. Yep. I don't think this is worse necessarily than the other sprint like format. It's just changing things up a little bit. I don't, I don't think it's worse. It doesn't make me excited for sprint races or, you know, doesn't make me any more excited for Baku, whether there's a sprint race or not. It'll be a fine race on Sunday. I still, I don't know, call me old or old fashioned or both, but don't invite people to call you old sprint races. (laughs) <laughs> can be it can could be exciting but it's just the threat like on a sprint race is on a street course with a threat of weekend ending damage just doesn't right. make any sense to me there's still exactly it's still before your grand prix which pays more points mm-hmm. so even though the sprint race is going to pay some points and it's a lot less and i don't we don't know the exact amount we'll find this out all next week when there's a like an FIA or an F1 commission meeting before yeah. the race in Baku, where this will all be, I guess, publicly released. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't think that this solves anything because essentially the problem that we're seeing and why sprint races aren't that interesting. And I mean, in the racing in general is because there's one team who's dominating and the cars don't actually race that much better even though that's what the regulations were intended to do. So yeah, you solve that problem. That's something we should talk about at some point. And I think it might've been George Russell and somebody who said in the last couple of weeks, like, you know, these new regulations aren't doing at all what we thought. It was Lewis. Re- okay. Yeah. Sorry, Lewis. I didn't mean to confuse you for your, your teammate, but I just, yeah, it's not working. I, I don't think we can like lie and say, the racing is now better than it was. I still think 2020. So the the new regulations were. What year did the new regulations come in? 22. Yes. Yeah. 2020 and 2021 were significantly better than last year's racing or so far this year's racing. So I'm not, Lewis, okay. I'm not saying that just sorry. I'm not saying that just because Max Verstappen wins every race. It's just there's much less action throughout the field other than three or four cars. Yeah, no, exactly. 
and Lewis was very upset. He said something about essentially F1 broke promises to the drivers that, that these regulations were going to reduce the amount of dirty air by, you know, putting more emphasis on ground effects, right? And floor downforce, like floor generated downforce. And so you have the aerodynamic focus then shifted away from the wings, but to the underneath of the car. And we haven't really seen it improve the racing. I yeah. think I know why. And I'm not an engineer, even though Ross Braun is a genius. Yeah. Um, these cars are really heavy and they're the length of a Chevy Suburban. <laughs> so maybe if you make them smaller and weigh less and you get rid of. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, the F1's got a fundamental issue that they'll need to solve or the racing is going to be flawed. That's just how the laws of physics work. You have these big, heavy things. It's hard to pass. Hard to maneuver them. You know, that's that's just everybody knows this. Agreed. Do we have any other F1 news? Oh, yeah. There's actually a decent amount of news this week. So the first thing we'll get to, I guess, is that uh, Carlos Sainz and Ferrari, their appeal for the penalty was completely thrown out by the FIA. I wonder why. Probably because (laughs) Mattia Bonotto went into into the FIA office with some candy and said, please don't overturn that. Screw them. (laughs) No, they were supposed to, when you do one of these, I, I almost view it as like in the NFL when you challenge a, a flag, right? Yeah. It should be more limited. It should be the same way it is in the NFL where you only have a certain number, you know, or because otherwise people are just going to challenge every single penalty and argue that they have new evidence to submit mm-hmm. and just figure mm-hmm. out a way that they can somehow manipulate the situation to not be a penalty. And, you know, if there's, I guess we saw the way that Aston Martin got away with it was that whole thing about the team not what working on the car yet under a penalty stop, but they were able to put the rear jack like touching the car was okay because the FIA hadn't penalized drivers for doing that in the past. I'm sure we can find plenty of times where the FIA has not Mm -hmm. penalized drivers for doing the exact same thing that Carlos Sainz just did. So if the FIA Mm -hmm. wants to open themselves up to, holes getting poked in their consistency keep letting the teams just challenge anything they want to challenge and it's just going to be annoying process because that's how f1's going to work right you want to win you want to somehow he finished fourth right and he cried which I, i'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> like i get him being passionate but i don't yeah i don't know it <laughs> It it was just a strange situation all around. And I think teams should be punished basically if they're wasting the FIA's time of just like, I'm going to challenge this or like have the right of review, they call it, of course, because you have yeah. to have some fancy name. And it, it's just actually nothing. Yeah. I mean, as long as it doesn't like take up time on like a race weekend, I'm pretty indifferent. I don't care. It's kind of interesting. Like, like I guess. <laughs> This is like such an extreme example. So please don't take this like seriously for those who are listening. It's like in the NHL, they came up with a new rule for like the coach's challenge. If you have an unsuccessful coach's challenge on. I think I guess it's on on any challenge now you you get a penalty. So not only do you lose a challenge, you're now shorthanded. So the other team has power play, which is kind of interesting. And it makes 
teams challenge these ticky tacky plays a lot less. So in F1, could you, like if you if you raise a, a, a you know a hand, say hey, I want to challenge this during the race, you know, which doesn't happen, I guess you know so much other than you know when when Aston went to the team about or went to the FIA about whatever oh, when Alonso lost the the podium a couple races ago. And then like, hey, if if we don't like your challenge, you get a 10 second time penalty. I know that's never, ever going to happen, but it's an interesting idea to just kind of like exactly think out loud about. Yeah, you get punished for wasting my time. I mean, we all know the kid when we were kids playing like a game in the neighborhood that would just basically change the rules up on you to win or like would pause the game if things weren't going their way and try to (laughs) manipulate the rules somehow. Right. You know, this person time out. And you didn't even know him as a kid. <laughs> but so, I mean, that's what the teams are going to be like. It's just going to be this baby who's trying to make things go their way and have a tantrum. And if the FIA is getting frustrated with it, you should exert power instead of being basically a an organization without any authority because no one respects you. Huh. Agreed. Imagine that. <laughs> I'm feeling sassy today. All right. Um, George Russell's facing a grid penalty because there was a fire, right? Obviously. Um at, at Australia. As oh, his yeah, engine yeah. burst into flames. Yeah. Yeah. And he had that really old school looking like flame out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is now his second engine already. So yeah, he's good. He's gonna get a new engine for Azerbaijan, Baku, and uh he'll receive what a 10 place grid penalty, I think. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. So sucks that's to always be, something sucks to look forward to. Be yeah, yep, it does. <laughs> um, we're also seeing that Aston Martin might be the team to take on Honda engines in 2026. Okay, all right. Maybe we're not sure because Hondas obviously they can't make up their minds themselves, right? They keep, typical like oh we le- we left. But we're still, what is it? Red Bull powertrains. And we're still Honda behind the scenes, like doing everything for Red Bull powertrains. And what we want to be in, but we want to be out. Like they can't, they can't make up their mind. So Ugh, yeah, they, they seem to be having second thoughts about fully leaving, which I, th- I think makes sense. Yep. yep. Um, they should just commit and stick to it. I know also it costs agree. a lot of money, but I mean, they have obviously had a lot of success. So I don't know. I, basically what Aston Martin said is that we're at the moment still in the process of making sure we understand all the options available to this team. Uh, essentially, I mean, it, it could be them or Williams. Yeah. Williams is not locked into Mercedes. They're reviewing things. So it's one of those two, possibly. Uh, I mean, we don't think that, that it's going to be a McLaren-Honda tie-up just based on their... Uh, checkered past here's but you never here's know what's gonna happen here's what's gonna happen honda's gonna go to aston martin aston martin and honda they're good a, now yeah they'll have a couple good seasons lawrence stroll get power hungry and try to buy out the honda engines and then we'll have aston martin powertrains for the next couple year and then in you know nine ten years from now honda will go to williams and never be an f1 after that because williams will still suck in 10 years I want to Williams Honda would be cool. They were they were good for a little bit, and then you sounded so sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still a Williams fan at heart. That's who I came into the sport liking, 
because I started liking around Y2K basically. So I I was yeah, I was a fan of Juan Pablo Montoya, and he was in a Williams car that actually looked cool back then and was really good with BMW engines. So wait before before we continue with whatever news you have left when when we were talking about me being old or not being old. So last week I was at the gym and every usually on Thursdays I, I work out with a trainer and her and I are talking about music and whatever song was on, it was the the song most probably 95% of our audience hasn't heard it. It's the Godsmack song that was in the Mummy movie, which was mm. you know, Brent was that Brendan Fraser and whoever. Yeah, Rachel Wise. Yeah. And what well, I don't know what year that was, two thousand four ish. I think it was like two thousand was the first one. Okay. I'll look though. 2001. So, no, 2001 was the sequel. When was the first one? Hold on. Oh God. Oh God. It's even worse than I thought. 1999. Okay. So Not I had said bad. to her that the first one was like 2002. So I was a little off. You weren't that bad. Yeah. Anyway, she was like, oh, I was one years old. I'm like, oh crap. I was like, oh, I was not yet driving, but almost driving. No, you weren't. In 1999? No, in 2000. And I'm sorry. I was saying this in 2002 terms not 1999 oh, terms got it yeah okay okay well i think i remember that godsmack song but i was hoping you were going to say the godsmack song from it was some... i don't know i got a lot of songs from video game soundtracks back in the day yeah yeah, yeah. i know what one not not that one that's a that is, that is their better song but was it in like tony hawk pro skater or like it was some maybe it was dave mira like biking game or something bmx game i don't it was know one of those type things yeah yeah, anyway, okay, let's let's continue on. Sorry. No, it's okay. We just have um two more kind of quick things. Okay. For all the people who are speculating consistently about Lewis Hamilton leaving Mercedes, he has now cleared that up for us and he doesn't see himself going anywhere else. He's going to spend something he said something like he's going to spend his time till the end of his days in F1 with Mercedes like Sterling Moss did. So we can stop speculating about that. Instead, um, Christian Horner just said that he believes what an old man. <laughs> uh, he just said he believes that Daniel Ricardo is getting his mojo back. That's why I called him an old man. Okay. Okay. And he said, Daniel's just a positive energy to have around. It's great to see him getting his mojo back to see that big smile on his face. He lights up a room when he walks in. It's like, wait these wedding vows that's like the way uh, you, your, your grandpa <laughs> talks about you uh his popularity in f1 even though he's not driving he's still probably the most popular driver here and for us that that's funny he just said that yep. ricardo's yep. still probably the most popular driver here and for us i mean that's a I dig think at max i don't think it's necessarily a dig as much as I take it's, it as one. it's funny it's christian going listen we know Max was talented. We also know Max is an asshole. So Max is, you know, not going to be the most popular driver on Red Bull or any team he's on. So, but I, I think that's him just being realistic. No, nah, it's shots fired. There's a rift at Red okay. Bull. You heard it here first. So anyway, um, he's going to go drive the Red Bull F1 car at the Nürburgring. And there's all these things. Somebody asked yeah. him, um, should regular drivers Max Verstappen or Sergio be unable to compete? You know, is how race ready is Daniel Ricardo? And Horner's response was, I'd say he's about 10 minutes away from being ready. He's in good shape. He's kept himself fit and well. 
I think that he's training hard and he's ready to go given the chance. So, hey, keep keep dreaming, Daniel Ricardo fans, that he'll be back in that Red Bull seat because, I don't know, Christian Horner, either he's just doing this for fun to clown with everyone and, like, tease you, <laughs> or he's maybe casually threatening Sergio Perez, you know, with someone breathing over his shoulder ready to take that spot. Who knows? Fair enough. Okay, so I just have now actually I have two more things because I remembered one as I was reading that one. Okay. All right. There's this guy named Calvin Lowe. Have you heard of him? L-O. Sounds vaguely familiar, but probably not. Okay, so he is a billionaire. Oh, is this one of the new teams, potential new teams? Yes, he's a billionaire yeah. from Hong Kong. Um, and he's he's gonna essentially he's willing to back anyone who can get him into onto the grid in 2026 <laughs> and he's got the money to do it i'll pay anybody yeah it's what it seems like uh he owns some insurance company i don't know okay. much about it but you know if you're a billionaire and you decide you want to go into f1 you can join the club like all the other billionaires and didn't we I'm pretty sure much they... predict this would essentially happen yeah because instead of andretti it's going to be another billionaire entering mm-hmm but they see China as a really important market. So that's going to be their, uh, what's called a justification. Even though they keep talking about the U.S. as like their number one target. Yep. So oh, let's just have three races there, but not have a team for the Americans to really root for and support. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good idea, Stefano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are two. Oh, man. I keep thinking of things that I saw earlier because I had to close all my tabs. Pick, okay, pick, we'll, pick one and then we'll we'll save the rest. Did you see all the Daniel Kvyat stuff that he said? That he said? No. On a podcast recently. It was somebody's podcast. He basically, he said a couple things. That he was offered the seat to go to Ferrari instead of Kimi Raikkonen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he talked about Red Bull stabbing him in the back. Like, that's the way he put it, essentially. I believe I, it by moving Max Verstappen into his seat without it sounds like giving him much warning at all or they made him some promises that they didn't keep we know that's the way the team is it's just always interesting to hear people say it publicly but also like I I, I be, like I said I believe it but also if you see Max Verstappen and you know you're going okay Red Bull said I'll have the seat you know the next open seat but Max Verstappen is at Toro Rosso and you know doing reasonably well at least holding his own at the time and you aren't a little bit worried you're delusional yeah no absolutely I don't I mean now Daniel Kvyat is testing uh, a Formula E car this weekend so uh, and he's about to race in in WEC under an Italian racing license is he really yes so you can Didn't... get a racing license in Italy even or you know in a country even if you're not born there you just can't race under the obviously he can't race under the italian flag right okay interesting so that's what he has to do all right well i guess we'll we'll end it there since you don't want to hear my other news well we've gone pretty long on this one so we'll we'll give everybody back a couple minutes and i can wrap it up with go check out the link to our patreon I'll make that our new pin tweet on Twitter when, if I remember, 
and I'll do it if you don't. Yeah, thank you. This weekend there is Formula E somewhere. NASCAR, Berlin, Berlin probably won't watch. NASCAR Tempelhof Airport. Yep, definitely not watching. NASCAR is at Talladega. I might watch so I can take a nice Sunday afternoon nap. And <laughs> I mean, I'm like kind of I, I don't mind the super speedway races. And I actually didn't mind whatever race I watched last weekend. And the Bristol remember. Dirt Race. No, that was boring. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that was not entertaining. But anyway, we'll wrap it there. Everybody, thank you for listening and good day. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!